The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data, Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. I'm your host, Benjamin Shapiro, and today we're going to talk a little startup marketing. Joining us is Melissa Kwan, who is the co-founder and CEO of eWebinar, which is the leading automated webinar platform that saves people from doing the same webinar over and over and over again for sales demos, marketing content, and onboarding. eWebinar turns any video into an automated webinar that you can set on a reoccurring schedule so you never have to do the same one twice. And in addition to providing us with our guest today, eWebinar is also a sponsor of the MarTech Podcast. And today, Melissa and I are going to talk about why startup marketing isn't what it used to be. All right, here's the first part of my conversation with Melissa Kwan, the co-founder and CEO of eWebinar. Melissa, welcome back to the MarTech Podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Ben. Every time you do that intro, I want to like clap. Really? I feel like it gets a little old and a little stale because the intros for this show, we try to get into the content and talk about what we're going to do and not spend all this time giving people's backgrounds and stories because, you know, everybody's here for you, not for me. I'm saying the same thing most of the time. My job is to ask you the questions of how are you building your business? How should marketers think about a specific channel? And you and I actually had a back channel conversation. I'll, I'll let everybody in behind the secret. We've been doing e-webinar focused content for a couple of months now. You've been a sponsor of the MarTech podcast for, I think, six or nine months. And we've been trying to build content that's useful for our audience, but also speaks specifically to the purpose of webinars. And surprisingly to me, you were the one who said no more webinars. I'm done. (laughs) We can't talk about webinars anymore. Let's talk about something different. (laughs) If you're tired of webinars, imagine how everybody else feels. You're queen webinar. There's a solution for that. (laughs) All right. so, So we're doing something new here. You're our startup marketing guru now. And we're going to talk about, and when this is going to be a regular feed for us, where we're talking about startup marketing and what marketers need to do to get off the ground. Some of the trials and tribulations you have when you aren't an established business with tons of money. Maybe you're bootstrapping like you and I have. So let's start off at the top, startup marketing. You just need some money and you need to put it in Facebook, right? I mean, that's that's just how a startup builds its brand, isn't it? Does anyone go on Facebook anymore? I'm over 40. Yeah. No, I go on Facebook every once in a while. Yeah. (laughs) Mostly Instagram. Just full of ads and like funny videos. And I don't feel like people are posting on there anymore. I don't have a TikTok account, so I need to see the TikToks. And the only place they are are in Instagram and Facebook. 
I have a TikTok account. I just don't use it. Yeah, I think I've logged in like twice. Yeah, I'm old. I, <laughs> I look at Facebook still. It's like not even a drug. It's such a habit yeah. that I'm like, I'm bored. What am I going to do? Open new tab F and then Facebook comes up and I just press enter. I don't even know I'm doing it. So that's how you build a brand, right? Yeah, I guess it used to be like that when Facebook was like where everybody congregated. And I kind of miss those days too, because then you get a lot of updates from your friends and family. But I think just to go back one step, like I think what makes me different than most startup marketers out there is I just don't have a marketing background. Like I have to figure out every single thing in a very scrappy, like bootstrappers way. So I think on this topic, that's what makes me different than like a big time marketer. But I guess a while ago when Facebook first came out and they first started their ads program, like it was super effective. But now not a lot of people log on there. They're kind of spreading their attention through different platforms. But companies like Facebook also now make privacy more of a priority. So it's more of a black box as to like who you can market. Do they? I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. You mean Apple twisted their arm and took away access to the data. So now Facebook's all pro privacy. I guess that's what the word on the street is, but it's harder than before to target the audience that you want to get to. Also, you know what I realize is people often have an adverse reaction to ads as well, like to advertising. I don't know if I agree. Actually, I recently read a report by Trust Radius. It was like a fairly high number of people will negatively look at a company if they see them on an ad. I look forward to the ads. It's like the only reason I go on to Instagram is like, okay, I'm tired of this person. I went to <laughs> high school with them. I don't give a shit. Ooh, look, new shoes. Okay, I will say Instagram has delightful ads. And maybe there's a segmentation question here of like, if you're in e-commerce and you're selling a physical product, if you're in retail fashion, sure, put everything in Instagram. But, you know, you and I are working and I'm a service provider helping people create podcasts and selling media and you're doing webinars and automating sales process. We're both kind of more B2B focused. Obviously, Facebook wasn't the only channel in town, but we're not exactly throwing money at LinkedIn either. I think what we're both saying is you can't necessarily buy your way into startup traction. So if we're not going to be focusing on paid, are we earned and owned now only? Like what's the what's the difference between startup marketing and the sort of tech bubble heyday that we all just lived through over the last 20 years and what we're doing now? I want to say that for the first time, and you can tell me if you're noticing this too, people care a lot about the people behind the company, almost more than the product. So now you're seeing these company executives, founders, first few employees posting their experiences, things like that on LinkedIn, on Twitter, kind of like obsessively, like I'm one of those people to build a voice behind the product and not just about the product itself, right? I don't know if there's a name for that. But it's not just about, okay, well, let's generate a bunch of content, research all these keywords, put content out there. Like that's still one strategy. But the one trend that I'm seeing now is people building personal brands behind the product and their audience learns about the product through connecting with their personal brand. It's interesting. You know, the company that comes to mind when you think about building a personal brand to launch a product, I think of Rand Fishkin. And everybody sort of knew in marketing circles, knew Rand Fishkin because he was the founder of SEO Moz, which is now Moz. And they did the Whiteboard Friday and he was teaching everyone about how SEO works and leveraged his 
celebrity in marketing to be the face of Spark Toro. And it was Rand Fishkin's personal following that served as lead generation for him promoting this tool. And what's he doing? He's whiteboard Fridaying how to figure out who your audience is as Spark Toro's marketing strategy. Which is great if you're Rand Fishkin, but what if you're Ben Shapiro? Not the political podcaster, but that <laughs> other guy that, you know, happens to do marketing podcasts. Yeah, I guess your name is not very SEO friendly. It is just not the way I want it to be. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's great if people find you straight away, though. I actually just read, it was either a post by Rand himself or someone else, that he didn't use a single dollar or spend any effort on SEO for this particular company. Because SparkToro, the problem they were solving, didn't have any search volume. So the only strategy that he used was the one that we're talking about right now is building a personal brand and posting content and experiences through the personal accounts. And through that, they were able to get to like 1.5 million ARR in two years or something like that. All right. So let's role play this. And let's say my name is Fish Rankin, not Rand Fishkin. And nobody knows who the fish I am. <laughs> yeah. I have 1,500 LinkedIn followers. I've been working in, you know, a tech incubator area for a little while. I'm actually just telling you how my life was when I was an independent marketing consultant. I had worked for eBay. I had 1,500 followers. I had some good contacts. I had a little bit of a network, but I'm not a celebrity. I can't build a tech brand off of the people that I worked with 10 years ago at eBay. How do you get to build a personal brand to the point where it is able to be a marketing channel for a SaaS product? I love that you came up with that scenario because when I started June of last year, I had less than 2,000 followers on my account and this was the problem that I needed to solve. So let's just take that for an example because that's the channel that I use. I hadn't logged into LinkedIn since I knew it was like a resume site and all these people were starting to talk about LinkedIn. So I know like one day around Q1 of last year, I went into LinkedIn and it totally turned into something else. I'm like, why are people self-promoting all this content? And then I started reading the feed and I'm like, oh, actually, this is pretty interesting content. And then I realized all these companies, while I was sleeping, was now using LinkedIn as this completely new channel to build an audience and to build a community, but through almost microblogging. So not like writing a whole article, but some people write like two or three sentences. Some people write a longer post. But it's all about their own experience and using that, that attracts their own tribe. So actually last year I found, do you know Justin Welsh? Does that name ring a bell? No, who's Justin Welsh? So he's a solopreneur. He basically built a three or four million business in five years, just building communities like this. And then he created a course called the LinkedIn operating system. And basically what he did was he hacked the LinkedIn algorithm and how to build an audience. And then he created a one hour course out of it. And posting on LinkedIn Daily became his lead gen channel, who would then buy his course, and he would have like ancillary businesses come out from that. But I found this guy, loved his content, loved his story. Like I couldn't believe that a single person with one virtual assistant can have like a $3 million business. Like that was like so magical to me. So then I bought this course and I learned the whole like algorithms behind LinkedIn and how people interact with the platform. And I just basically followed that method and started posting on LinkedIn once a day. So it's been like nine months now and I've quadrupled my audience. And every day, someone from LinkedIn that has seen me on LinkedIn will come and join our demo. So I think anybody with any audience can start doing something like that because you have an expertise that people care about. You have a story that people want to learn about. 
my lesson here is that your personal brand is the first thing that you need to focus on building when you're starting to promote a product or service. And if you're in an organization, this just doesn't have to be the founder. This can also be employee advocacy. You're encouraging people that are in your company to take time away from their roles as operators, to post on social media, to build relationships, and to hopefully start promoting your products or services. So we're all going to be our own little businesses. We're all brands promoting our products. I've been doing this for years. My LinkedIn account went from 1,500 followers to like 12,000 because we post content on the MarTech podcast and the Voices of Search podcast daily. So I've got something to write about because I'm doing all of these interviews. Now I've got a following. Now people are consuming my content and hopefully some of them are enjoying it and maybe they even become sponsors of our podcast. Great. Now I've got a little bit of a business here. Employee advocacy, step one. Okay, wonderful. I don't know if I'm starting a new company from scratch if all I'm doing is saying, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to start using LinkedIn like Twitter, and I'm just going to write everything that comes to mind and start posting. There has to be some other ways where you're figuring out who your customers are, finding channels where they're hanging out and interjecting yourself there as opposed to trying to attract everyone to you. Outside of your employee advocacy, what are some of the other things that smart marketers are doing to try to build their startup brand? I would say like six months after launching the business, one of the most impactful exercises that I did was interview our 10 best customers. There was like a 40 question document that I would go through and it asked them like how to use the product, blah, blah, blah. But actually the last section of that survey was to find out where they would hang out. So what kind of books do you read? What kind of communities do you belong to? How do you search for information? How do you look for new products? So definitely, I think running something like that once a quarter, at least finding where your customers are hanging out would be a good way to start doing that. I made a million dollars. It took me four years, $250,000 a year as an independent marketing consultant. I was a nobody and I basically got almost fired and I kind of quit. I beat him to the door at my last real job and walked away and said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go be a consultant because I need to take on short-term projects to pay the bills until I find a real job. And I ended up building this process, brand development study, where I was interviewing 10 people in each company, their best customers or their prospects and trying to figure out what makes them tick. Hey, what products are you looking for? What's the problem you're trying to solve? What's the solution you're looking for? What's the companies that are in your consideration set? What do you think about those companies? How are they different from each other? Where are you going to find out about them? And what is the thing that's going to make you make your decision to pull the trigger from one versus the other? Okay, now that you know that those are the questions, not necessarily in that order, can I have $25,000 to print out a PDF or a PowerPoint for you to read back the 10 interviews I did of your customers so I can say, this is what your customers care about. Now, in fairness, that's not the only work that I did. I also interviewed the people that were at the company and asked them, how would you describe your company? What are your products? What are your services? Who are your customers? How are you describing yourself to understand if there is an overlap between what your customers want and say they want and what you are and what you say you want? Now, that's a $25,000 project. Take six to eight weeks. It was a nice little business. I did 10 of them a year, $250,000. That's a million bucks over four years. Where did that money go? I don't know, but it led me... <laughs> to creating the MarTech podcast because I wanted to go meet more people. So I started creating my own content to bring it back full circle into building yourself into your own brand. But the way to understand what your product's tribe is, what your customers are and where they hang out 
is to ask them. Go find them. Go find a few of them and do your research, do your homework, because in every brand, there's going to be a different place where they are aggregating, mostly when we're talking about your business or my business, these B2B niche communities, right? People that are starting to have problem with sales, people that are running, you know, you're looking for founders. I'm looking for marketers that are marketing the marketers. How do I know which community is cool? How do I know that marketingops.com is the community that all of the mops people are hanging out at? Shout out, Mike Rizzo. Love you. I had to go and ask my customers. I had to go and ask my listeners. I had to go and ask my prospects. But can I just bring it around to why creating your own tribe and your own audience is just that much more important? Because even if you know where your customers are hanging out, say they're hanging out in different Slack communities or different forums. And this is something I had to realize last year as I was kind of doing this research is the people who have built those communities where your customers are hanging out are very protective of those communities. A lot of those communities are vendor-free zones, which means you can talk about me, but I can't talk about me. So when you're trying to get in front of your customers who are in these communities, you actually kind of need a buddy to tag team and talk about each other. And that's how these communities work. So you have to create the most value. You still have to create your own community, your own audience, something that belongs to you. So you could say whatever you want. Vendor free zone, my ass. <laughs> I know. Everybody in those communities are all vendors. They're wolves in sheep's clothing. Let's be honest. We all want to promote our business when we are part of a community. Now, we might not do it directly. It doesn't mean that we want to. But what we're doing when we're active in a community, we're either harvesting information for personal and professional development, or we are there contributing the community to build our profile so people then follow us so then they can learn about our products and services. It's just not a one-stop marketing channel. It goes back to building your personal brand. When you start to build a following and build those relationships and build that trust, then people start to rely on you and assume that what you are doing has value. So yes, go and be an active member of all of these communities, but let's not pretend like the reason why you're not being in a community that is related to your brand is because you're trying to build your profile. And because you're building your profile, you're trying to have more influence, which hopefully impacts your brand as well. And that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Melissa Kwan, the co-founder and CEO of eWebinar. Join us again tomorrow when Melissa and I talk about prioritization for startup marketers. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Melissa, you can find a link to her LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact her on Twitter. Her handle is Miss Kwan. That's M-S-S-K-W-A-N. Or you can visit her company's website, which is eWebinar.com. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter, or you can even send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is martechpod, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D, on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Or you can contact me directly. My handle is Ben J. Schaap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day this year. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app, and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. 
Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.